0: 14, 2023. Time for the Friday edition of the Sports Working Podcast. This is episode 217. How's everyone doing? Happy Friday. It's a beautiful day in the DMV. The weather is gorgeous. A little bit warmer than I would like it to be for April, but we'll take it. And of course, you'll take it any way you can get it. I kind of wish I was playing golf, but anyway, rather be here with you all. And thank you for listening. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. We're going to start today with the NFL. So the big news across the sports world and more so here in the DMV is the impending sale of the commander. So it appears that uh, Josh Harris's group has reached a preliminary agreement with Dan and Tanya Snyder to acquire the team. So the price tag uh, a little bit north of six billion. So billion with a B, 6.05 billion to be exact. The deal includes FedEx Field. And the practice facility out in Loudoun County, Ashburn, Virginia. The deal will will possibly be approved at the end of May at the league meetings in Minneapolis. So, as we said, the uh, the group has to be vetted. So, uh, a bunch of the finance people at the league meetings will basically sit down, look at the numbers, evaluate the contract, make sure everything's good. So, nothing's official until everything's signed. The deal is fully funded or fully financed rather than funded, but, you know, difference between funding and financing, if you will. But deals fully financed. However, there are still some other names out there that are still interested. So there's a Canadian investor. I forget his name off the top of my head. I mentioned him in a few shows ago. He still has a potential offer. I think Tilman Fertita from the, uh, the Rockets are still interested. There was some rumor, some talk early in the week that Jeff Bezos was going to throw his name in the hat, but that didn't happen. Thank you very much. Um, and again, you know, I, I've said how I felt about that situation. But th- this is big news because, again, the the reign of terror is over <laughs> from a reign of terror in the front office, reign of, of terror on the field. This has probably been the worst run of any one team in sports history, I think we can all agree on that. Again, whether you have a dog in fight or not, that's and that's just it. It's kind of like okay, you you're running a company, you're running an organization, just organization. We'll just use the term organization because that can apply to any large entity. But you're running an organization. It's like how is it that you can have all this money and all this power, and you just choose to just do. The worst just just make the worst possible decisions ever. It's like it it it, in the real world, like who operates this terribly and stays in business? You know what I'm saying? But but let's let me qualify that. That you have people who try to do their best. They don't get up to par. In other words, they're actually trying to do well and don't make it. Here's a guy who You know, just does whatever he wants to do and is successful is successful at tanking a team for the last 20 years. I mean, on and off the field. So I'll kind of talk more about this commander situation a little bit later. But it looks like we're going to have a big old party. So can somebody DMV find a little centrally located park and we can all bring some sides and we're going to have a big old Dan is gone party because this is an amazing day and this will become official hopefully within about a month or so. Let's move over to the NBA. So last night, we had the 9 versus 10 playing games. Bulls over Raptors, 109-105. Thunder over Pelicans, 123-118. Tonight, we have the eighth seed games. 7 p.m. TNT, the Bulls take on the Heat in Miami. 9.30 ESPN, the Thunder head to Minneapolis to take on the Timberwolves. The first round starts on Saturday. So we've got a slew of games uh, on Saturday, so you got ESPN's going to hold everyone's attention all day long for the first round of the, of the playoffs. We start 1 p.m. ESPN Nets at Sixers, 3:30 Hawks at Celtics, 6 p.m. Knicks at Cavaliers, and 8:30 Warriors at Kings. On Sunday, we go e- ABC and TNT. 3 p.m. on ABC, the Lakers visit the Grizzlies. Milwaukee will host the winner of the Bulls and Heat at game 5:30 on TNT. The Clippers versus the Suns 8 p.m. on TNT. And then the Nuggets will host the Thunder Timberwolves winner. And I think I got that incorrect. Yeah, that should be right. Uh, 1030 on TNT. So uh, it's playoff time. It's playoff time uh, in at least two professional leagues because the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs, will start on Monday. The regular season ends tonight with two games. I so had several games last night. So for many teams, obviously those not making the playoffs last night or tonight, their final game, two games tonight. So let's kind of recap where we are as far as um, some of the better teams. Real quick, Boston, they win the President's Cup with the best record in the league. They went 65-12 with five overtime losses and scored 135 points. Vegas has the best record in the West, 51-22 with nine overtime losses with 111 points. So this is going to be interesting. I'm really going to be keeping my eye on the Western side of this. Um, you know, Vegas, you know, we know back in 2018, they uh, went to the, you know, they went to the Stanley Cup final um, was 18 things, 18 Stanley Cup final. Um, so different team. But again, the organization knows what it's like to go far in the playoffs. And that was their first year in the league. Um, so Vegas, Edmonton, Dallas and Colorado. So those are kind of at least for me, the West, those are the four teams I'm kind of looking at but we'll see how it all shakes out as the playoffs will begin in earnest in the NHL. Let's move over to NASCAR. A couple news and notes, Alex Bowman and William Byron were each penalized for post-race violations after the Toyota owners 400 at Richmond international raceway. So the way this shakes out, both teams will lose 60 points and five playoff points. And both team crew chiefs are suspended two races starting this week. So here's the crazy part. Both crew chiefs for bowman and byron are both interim crew chiefs the current full-time crew chiefs are serving 4 race suspensions from last month for violations from last month at the phoenix race and the crew chiefs are each fined. the interim ones are each fined seventy five thousand dollars each so on top of all that you gotta write a big check for seventy five thousand i guess i'm assuming the team pays that i don't think it's coming out of their personal pockets but I'm sure these crew chiefs get paid fairly well. So, with the points loss, Alex Bowman drops from first in points to seventh, and Byron drops to 14th in points. Um, Some other big news Chase Elliott, the 2020 Cup Series champion, he's set to return to the number nine car on Sunday at Martinsville. So, that's the Noco 400. Um, He has missed six races after he suffered a broken leg while snowboarding Colorado back in Colorado back in March so that was kind of a big deal because you know we've seen this happen before we've seen athletes in particular sports will say hey I'm going to engage in this activity something I like to do and a lot of teams you know a lot of organizations will say look we need you healthy you know if you get hurt on the court that's one thing but if you get hurt outside of the realm of what you're supposed to be doing oh, uh, that's kind of a bad thing, and that's, you know, it kind of put a lot of onus on them, and I think the Hendrick team, they weren't, and he's Hendrick racing, they weren't upset outwardly. I'm sure there have probably been some behind-the-scenes discussions about this. However, Chase Elliott has said publicly, look, I'm not going to stop snowboarding, so he's willing to take the risk, but I think, uh, what's man's name, Joel Barry is it Barry? Josh Berry. Josh Berry has been filling in for him in his car. He finished second a couple races ago, so he's been doing a really good job uh, filling in for Chase Elliott, so he should be back this week. He's been uh, working in a, um, what what was it called? Uh, One of those VR, not a VR car. It's kind of one of the um, cars, you know, simulators. Thank you. He's working a simulator trying to, you know, get all the coordination back because, you know, when you break a bone, that's never fun and You know, trying to get that uh, that range of motion back, that feel, especially, you know, you break a leg. I mean, the leg is going to be very important for you to what drive the car. You know, you got to work the pedals, work the accelerator. Um, The hands are good, but, you know, and of course, being away from it for a while, you know, you kind of want to make sure all your all your sensibilities are about you, that you're going to go out there and race steady for uh at least what this race is on a short track so they're gonna go 400 laps on sunday so (laughs) he couldn't have picked a hell of a time to come back to the number nine car but um you know all the best to him so i'm and i'm sure that outside of all of the rivalries on the on the course that i'm sure you know many drivers would be happy to see him back i mean you know it's it's a tight circle for uh you know these racers I mean you know they go out they they compete hard they get at each other and I'm sure off the track there may be a couple guys who seriously don't really like each other but for the most part because they're all have the same experience that you know when they get in the car there is a really really off chance that one of them may not finish the race and I mean not finish but it's a tight circle and you don't want to see anybody hurt. And of course he got hurt off the track, but it still takes a toll on you in a number of ways. So again, it'll probably be good to more likely be good to see him back uh, for uh, Hendrick racing and for the sport in general. All right. When we come back, we're going to do some tennis. So it's clay court season. And after that, we'll get into some college football, some college basketball, and it's friday you know what we do we do dubs and nails stay tuned All right, everybody. Welcome back. So it is uh, clay court season in tennis. So from Milan to Madrid and everyone in between all roads lead to Paris for the French Open, which starts on May 28th. So let's look at ESPN did an article about currently in tennis, the, the top 10 players on both the men's and women's side. Let's start with the men's side. Um, so number one, uh, probably obvious to everyone is Novak Djokovic. So he's currently number one in the world rankings, the ATP rankings. Listen to this. This is insane. So in his last five tournaments, Jokovic is 20 and one, and he's doing this with a torn hamstring. So could you imagine how devastating he would be if he was currently healthy? Add to that the idea that now that COVID restrictions are kind of dropping worldwide, he's going to be making more appearances. So... His his appearances have been limited over the last year or so because of the COVID restrictions and his issues with the vaccine and all the, you know, all the all the drama that he went through that was completely unnecessary. But he's still a dominant force on the men's side. Second is Carlos Alcaraz. So remember, Alcaraz won the, he's the defending US Open champion. He won two or four tournaments since return from injury. So he's been injured. And what a lot of folks are waiting to see is the second matchup because he's only played Jokovic once and he won that match. So folks are want to really see those two go at it. But it would probably be one of those things where people would love to see them both at full strength. I mean, to see um, Jokovic play with a hamstring tear, Alcaraz playing with uh, I don't know what injury he's coming back from. Um, Folks want to see that. They want to see that. Uh, matchup because you know Alcaraz he's very young he's definitely going to be the face of tennis moving forward because the only thing that's going to stop Djokovic and guys like Djokovic and of course Nadal is either going to be injury and or father time we know father time's inevitable but injury is one of those things that slows anybody down but Alcaraz still very young he's second in the world um you know he's definitely going to be he's definitely the feature of the sport on the men's side. Third is uh, Daniel Medvedev, so um, he is the twenty twenty one U.S. Open champ. He he definitely has been killing it and continues to kill it on hard courts. Um, he's been doing he did very well during the hard court season uh, here in the United States. So I think what Indian Wales and Miami are the two big hard court tournaments. I think they also do what Western Southern, which actually that's later in the year because I think that's prior to U.S. Open. I think it's in August. So he's currently fourth in the world rankings. Um, on fourth on the list is Janet Center. So he's a 21-year-old up and coming. Keep your name. Keep that name in your in front of your mind. He beat Apparaz in Miami. He's currently ninth in the World Rankings. Fifth is Taylor Fritz. So he's 10th in the World Rankings. He's 6-6 six and six versus the top 10 in the ATP rankings. And he's 2-1 and one versus those same, that same 10 in 2023. So look out for Some big things from Taylor Fritz this season. Uh, Six is Stefano Tsitsipas. He's currently third in the world rankings. Um, His serve uh, break percentage has kind of been his weak point right now. Um, As of right now, that percentage is, I think, the lowest it's been in his career. So it's been very high, very low. So he hasn't really been. uh, And that's hurting his game right now. Also. His serve is being affected by our shoulder issues. So Sistipas is having a few issues, but we've seen that he has been fairly consistent in these tournaments, getting to quarters and semifinals and such. Seventh is Andre Rubilev. Um, he's gotten to six of 10 quarterfinals in Grand Slam since 2020. He's sixth in the world rankings. His serve has been very inconsistent. It either gets him where he's got to go or it's been hindering his game. Um, eighth is Cameron Nori from Great Britain. He's a, He was a semifinalist at Wimbledon last year. He's currently 13th in the world rankling, rankings, and he's currently 5-0 in Davis and United Cup action. Um, really good returner, inconsistent serve. So again, someone that I think probably is looking to break out. Uh, he's just outside of the top 10 and 13. Um, number nine is Karen Kochinoff, and he's at number 11 in the world rankings. Um, one of the things about Kachinov's game, he does really, um, he he does really well in the big in the big tournaments. So in the Grand Slams, he's all in. And again, it's not you know he's mentally like I have to be all in. It's just he brings his A game for these big tournaments. Now in the tune-ups, and he's mm, he's okay in the tune-ups. So with tune-ups, if you're familiar with how tennis sets up, you know right now. They're playing a lot of clay court tune-ups overseas and for a lot of the bigger names, many of the bigger names don't play in every tune-up. They're playing a tune-up here and there. They'll, you know, they'll practice, they'll do other things and so the tune-ups are opportunities for, you know, lesser known players or players who aren't ranked as high to, you know, get some work in, possibly win a tournament, you know, make some money and for him, you know, he's a, he's a well-known name again, he's 13th in the world, but for these tune-ups, he doesn't usually show out as well as he does in Grand Slam tournaments. And finally, at 10th is Holger Rune. He's 19 years old, and he has had success versus the top 20. Currently, eight of nine wins against the top 20. And he's another name that you should keep uh, keep an eye out for somebody who's young, learning the game. So I mentioned um, Center a moment ago. Here's a guy that, as I mentioned, he beat Alcaraz and beat Alcaraz using Alcaraz's game and a guy that's still learning. So center and Rune are two guys who are still learning the game as far as how to play at that high level. I mean, they know how to play tennis, obviously, but still trying to tweak how they're going to how their game going to translate into uh, the professional ranks. And Rune is currently eighth in the world. Honorable mention uh Felix Auger Al- Alissime, uh, Alex D. Minar, Francis Tiafo, Casper Rudd, Hubert Herkas, and Rafael Nadal. Nadal is also having some issues. He has a hip flexor injury currently, so that's kind of hindering him a little bit. Let's go over to the top 10 ladies. So, number one is Iga Swiatek, currently number one in the WTA rankings. On clay, she has won her last 41 of 45 matches. So, very. So I mean, Swiatek is dominant, period. I mean, with what she's been doing over the last couple tennis seasons, I mean, she is definitely the dominant player in women's tennis right now. Number two is Arna Sabalenka. Her health has been hindering her a little bit. But if she's healthy, she's someone that could definitely make some waves in this Grand Slam season. She's currently second in the world. Elena Rybakina she's third on the list she's number seven in the world currently she's the defending wimbledon champ uh, petra kitova she's uh thir- fourth on the list 10th worldwide she's a two-time wimbledon champ and she just won the miami tournament so again looking for some things for her on clay fifth is jessica pagula she's third in the world rankings but let's listen to this she's currently versus the top four in the world she's six and fourteen and she's lost 14 of her last 18 versus the top 10. So Pagula, you know, her game is really made for this level, but she's really got to get over the hump playing against these top, these top 10 and top five opponents. Um, Barbara Krachova is sixth. Um, 2022, she had some health issues. So for her to be at her best, the question is, is she fully healthy and ready to kind of make a push for a grand slam. She's currently 12th in the world rankings. Seventh is Maria Sakari, ninth in the world rankings currently. She was in two semifinals in 2021. So can she regain her form to push to a final is the big question for Maria Sakari. Eighth is Coco Golf. She's currently sixth in the world. So as you remember, she was a finalist at the French Open last year. Um, Currently, Golf has lost 11 11- 9 of 11 matches versus the top 20 and 6 of 7 versus the top 10. So, again, same thing with Coco Golf. Ga- uh, same thing with her, uh, with Coco Golf, as with Jessica Pagula. Got the game, can, you know, win matches, but when it's time to hit the top 10, you know, what is it going to take to push past these really great players like Swiatek and Sabalenka uh, and Pagula, who's third in the world, to kind of push for for to get to that 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 final um, ninth is Belinda Benchik, so she has a sixteen and five record. But if you break it down, she's ten and one overall in grand Slam, She's six and four. So the good news for her, her stats across the board are the best in her career to date. She's currently eleventh in the world. She's been to the U.S. quarterfinals three times, U.S. semifinals once. And she's the 2021 Olympic gold medalist. Um, Her big issue right now is she cannot get past the fourth round of any major. So that's the big thing for her. So again, was it going to take the push? So again, she can kill it in the other tournaments, but you're what? Six and four. That means what you're 60% um, in grand slams, which isn't terrible, but it isn't great either. Okay. Okay. Finally, at 10th is von Vondrasova, and she's actually, of all the players in this top 10, she's of the lowest rank. She's 83rd in the world. She's 6-2 with three top 10 wins at Miami Indian Wells. Your honorable mentions, Caroline Garcia, on Habur, Madison Keys, Carolina Muchova, and Donna Vechik. So these are some players that we'll kind of keep our eye on as we push towards the, towards the U.S. Open here. All right, next up, let's get into some college basketball. So (laughs) last show, I I had to go through and check my notes and kind of listen to a little bit of the last show because I I am sitting there thinking to myself, there's been some transfer news and some coaching news of interest. And I said, did I mention the last show? And I think I had every intention of mentioning it, but I didn't write it down. So let's get into first some news from the NCAA. The NCAA has changed – The official visit rules. These rules will take effect July 1st. Prospects no longer have a limit on official visits to a school. So the way this is going to work, prospects can have one official visit per school. And if there's a coaching change, they can get a second official visit. Now, the rules for stay, I think, are the same. Official visits can last no longer than two nights The school. You know, because of that school picks it up. So room, board, all the good stuff. And as we mentioned, July 1st, this will be the new rule. And it seems as if what I've read um, that some of the coaches seem kind of like they're not too crazy about the rule change. But I mean, that's kind of minor. I mean, these prospects, I think the way it works is because of the current limits, prospects will only make so many official visits. So if you've got 10 schools that made you an offer, you'll say, I'm going to narrow it down to five I don't know what the current number is let's say narrow down to five I'll visit three and of those three oh I'm gonna go here you know so it kind of opens it up for these players to kind of go to more schools look at the campus look at you know what you know talk to the coaches look at what it has to offer they get more opportunities to get more visits in and that kind of you know maybe helps them to not narrow the list down so much that's that's my thought on how that's gonna work. Um coaching news. So two items for coaching. Coaching is crazy right now. Um one note uh UNC Wilmington. So they've been in a, a interim situation for quite a while. So long time uh women's basketball coach Tina Martin. So she was at Delaware for a long time in the CAA. She went to Wilmington. She took over as interim coach. I think she had the interim tag on her for a few years for a couple years now. Uh, Wilmington hired Charlotte associate head coach Nicole Woods as their new head coach. So uh, Coach Woods was on the Charlotte staff for 10 years. I think she became associate head coach maybe one or two years ago. So congratulations to her. This is the big one because this one potentially, the way the talk has been, this hire potentially could have some transfer implications. And this is the one transfer I didn't mention last time. So we talked about South Carolina's Fred Shumiel, assistant coach. He takes the bowling green job. So there's a. Open position on the South Carolina staff. The report came out yesterday that Duke assistant Winston Gandy was the target. So about an hour ago, this became official. Winston Gandy will will be will replace Fred Shamil on Don Staley's staff at South Carolina. Now here's where the transfer piece potentially. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but here's where the talk happened a couple days ago, and this uh, was yesterday was. Thursday, so I think Wednesday, sometime over the weekend, they got reported. Sometime early in the week, Celeste Taylor at Duke hit the transfer portal. I almost dropped my phone when I read that. I'm going, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. So Jordan Oliver, who played for she was at Baylor, she transferred to Duke. She's out the door. She went to Vanderbilt. We know Cheyenne Day Wilson hit the transfer portal not too long after the season ended. Uh, one of their reserves, I think her name is Shea Bolin. I think she's six four. She's from the Boston area. She hit the transfer portal. She's a freshman. Don't think she got a lot of playing time. So that's four players out the door for Duke. But let's go back to uh Celeste Taylor and Cheyenne Day-Wilson. So the talk here is if Winston Gandy heads to South Carolina, a lot of folks have been saying maybe they follow him to South Carolina. So keep your eye out to see where Cheyenne Day-Wilson, I, I mean, I've been interested to see where she goes anyway. She, she really was a big pickup for Carol Lawson, uh, when she took over the Duke job and I was shocked to see she was leaving because she got a lot of playing time I mean very dynamic guard Um, and Celeste Taylor I mean she's really upped her stock um, upped her game upped her stock for the next level with the stuff she's been doing at Duke but I was shocked to hear, I mean I was more shocked here she hit the transfer portal but keep your eye on where they go if they end up in South Carolina that's gonna be some wild stuff right there but we'll again keep our eye on it here Um, so let's go back to, uh, while we're on women's transfer, let's keep on with women's transfer. Um, Iona Carilli, junior shooting guard from South Carolina, three-time first team, all West Coast Conference. She transfers to Cal. That's big for them. You remember we reported in show 213, Jada Curry, the star for Cal. She rolled out. She's in Louisville. So she left Cal, transferred to Louisville. That's big for them. Virginia coach Mox. Strikes again, Taylor six, 6'7 from K State, Kansas State, is going to Virginia, and they also got a commit from a 634 from Sweden, Odessa Noyan. So she was a 2023 commit to San Francisco. She ended up changing her committing and going to Virginia. So I've been saying Virginia needs some help in the front court. So I think this is definitely the help that they need because they got a lot of guards. And they got a lot of guards that can shoot, rebound, push tempo. They got that in spades. They got a point guard, but they need some front court help. And they're getting it uh, with Taylor Lautenbach. I was looking at her highlights and, man, she is something else. I think she's really good hands, uh, some really nice post moves, and she can step out, hit the three. So she's going to be very versatile. So she's going to make a lot of teams nervous with that movement. So I tweeted, uh, at coach said it's scary season out here for real because yeah it's it's getting interesting in virginia but year two i think will start to look a little bit progressively better for the cavaliers on the women's side um let's move over to the men's side so one transfer note here tj bomba leaves washington state and heads to villanova so that's big for kyle neptune and his gang Uh, Bamba thinks that the move to Villanova will help him get pro-ready, and he mentioned the bevy of guys who went through that program who are currently playing in the NBA. Villanova also did something else interesting. Quinnipiac head coach Baker Dunleavy resigned his position. He's now at Villanova as basketball general manager, so his position will be for both Kyle Neptune on the men's side and Denise Dillon on the women's side, so he'll handle nil transfer portal marketing and fundraising for the basketball programs at villanova that's an interesting move um for villanova so i'm interested to see in in here um i guess a little bit more about this position um how it's going to work and did and then if if there's like success because we're seeing a lot of programs are doing like nil stuff like they're Either they're forming centers or they're forming NIL organizations to handle NIL, but to hire somebody as your NIL general manager to handle basketball, things of that nature, another interesting way to make that happen. So I'm I'm curious to hear more and see more about that position and how that's gonna work out for uh Villanova. Um, let's go to player news. So a few players have declared for the NBA draft. So from UCLA, Tiger Campbell, Jalen Clark. Jaime Jaquez Jr. and Amon, Amari Bailey. So Bailey's a freshman, a 6'4 combo guard. Uh, he was a, a, a number five recruit in 2022. Uh, he's all to a, a, the all pac 12 freshman team, 11 points, four rebounds, and two assists per game average and shot about 39% from the three-point line. So UCLA will have four players moving towards the draft. Azulas Tubelas, from a junior from Arizona, he declares for the draft. He's a 11 power forward, two uh, second team All American, two time All Pac twelve, averaged twenty points, nine rebounds to assists. And then Adoma Sado- Sanogo, so he was the most outstanding player of the Final Four for UConn. Junior six nine forward, he's going to the draft. Two time All Big East, he averaged seventeen points, eight rebounds, and an assist last season. This past season. He shot sixty percent from the field, and his three-point game was actually picking up a little bit, shooting thirty-seven percent from behind the arc. Um, so I think that's all of the the college basketball news. Let's move over to college football. Ha! College football spring games. So I think a lot of the spring games are started. I think Florida had their spring game last night. We got a couple games tonight a bevy of games tomorrow and then some games through next two weekends i think notre dame and a couple of the big programs will be next week we'll kind of run through that next week but let's run through the schedule so in addition i'm gonna say okay who does this who did each team play to start next season tonight seven thirty, acc network extra the miami hurricanes have their spring game they open the season against miami of ohio Texas Christian the runners up in the national championship this year their spring game 8 p.m. ESPN plus they open their season with Colorado so as I mentioned Colorado released their schedule and I said man listen if Colorado wins more than five games hey coach prime is definitely on top way on top of the coaching game let's just say this but I, I don't know 12 games I mean, if they if they even if they're lucky to get bowl eligible, that's going to be something that's going to be, I think, worthy of a a coach of year nomination. That's just my personal opinion. Saturday. Here's all the big games. The big one, Ohio State noon on Big Ten Network. They opened the season against Indiana. And I feel like Alabama's on this. I think Alabama's in here, too, but I didn't write it down. But I didn't see Alabama. But nevertheless, we'll get back to them later. Arkansas so here's the 1 p.m. games Arkansas ESPN plus SEC plus Clemson and Georgia Tech on ACC Network Extra Arkansas opens the season versus Western Carolina Clemson will play Duke I'm going to assume that's going to be in Durham Georgia Tech opens the opens the season against Louisville and I think that's a neutral site game Mississippi State I don't think their game is going to be on TV but uh, they opened the season against Southeast Louisiana 2 p.m. Penn State on Big Ten Network. They open season against the Mountaineers of West Virginia. Texas, their game will be on the Longhorn Network. They open season against in-state rival Rice. 2.30, Tennessee, their spring game, ESPN Plus, SEC SEC Network Plus. They have a neutral site game, (laughs) quote, neutral site, (laughs) uh, at Nissan Stadium in Nashville versus Virginia. So two two types of orange, and I think the Tennessee orange is going to be most predominant as that technically would be more so a home game for Tennessee in Nashville, 3 p.m. UNC they'll be on ACC Network Extra. They open. I think they're having they're having a game against South Carolina. I think that's a Duke's Mayo uh, game to start the, season, Duke start the season. Which I'm going Duke's Mayo. Like they're just now really getting into the the college football game now. They got a whole bowl now. They're sponsoring you know, interstate, uh, interstate rivalries or between state rivalries because North and South here. Um, also 3 p.m., Ole Miss, ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus. They'll take on Mercer to start the season. 3 p.m. also, Pac-12 Network, USC. They open the season against San Jose State. 4 o'clock, Florida State, A- ACC Network Extra. They open the season against LSU. I think that is what the camping world kickoff or something like that. And I think they opened the season last year. And that game was big. I think Florida State pulled it out in overtime, and they needed that win badly. Um, Georgia, the defending national champs, ESPN 2, they opened the season against UT Martin. And then Texas A&M, their game, ESPN plus, SEC Network plus, they opened the season against New Mexico. So that's kind of your spring game guide for this weekend. So if you're interested in, one or all those teams only problem is if there's two teams that you're interested in at the same time and you're playing at the same time well hopefully your television has the 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 back button or maybe hear me out you have more than one television in your house so get some exercise and run from room to room to watch all these games all right finally we are at the time of day on the show for dubs and l so For dubs and L's, I got a lot of dubs today. I got one L, and we'll kind of circle back to something we talked about at the start of the show. So let's start with all the L's. So we'll give, uh, sorry, dubs rather. (laughs) Let's give dubs to Coach Greg Popovich, recently inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame, and Georgia Tech Head Football Coach Brent Key. Both of these men had very strong statements in the wake of the shooting in Nashville, the school shooting that happened a couple weeks ago. And I didn't get a chance to read uh, Greg Popovich's uh, full speech. I think it was a nine page speech, if I recall correctly, or a nine minute speech, whatever. Anyway, um, and, and Brent Key, um, Coach Key, um, in making his comments, he got very emotional. He thought about the fact that his mother is a retired school teacher His daughter is school age and he just got emotional thinking about, you know, just the victims and just, you know, having, you know, knowing someone's a former teacher and, you know, just kind of it it struck him. And, you know, he basically said we had to say in so many words, he said, look, something has to be done. Greg Popovich, you know, he's always going to use his platform in this way to say, look, why is it that we're still having a debate about something that really doesn't need to be debated. And in so many words. I mean, you know, pop does mince words. He never does. And I, and, and that's one of the things outside of what he's done for basketball. That's one of the things I really love about coach Popovich that he does not mince words when it comes to issues facing our society. And both of these gentlemen use their platforms in a way to make a statement. And and when I saw that Coach Key made the statement, I said, you know, first of all, salute to him. But secondly, I said, well, I'm going to I'm going to guess that somebody felt some kind of way about it. You know how it is. I mean, you know, you don't no one really knows who you are as a person until you take that moment and you say, this is why I stand in this position. And then if you're on what they think is the wrong side of that position, then it's, oh, well, I can't support you or I'm not buying season tickets and this, that and the third. I'm going, okay. why do we have to again? Why do we have to debate something that should not be debatable? Why are we debating in this country the idea that people can easily get weapons that are used for war to go out and kill people? Because. They're mad or they, they feel uh, they feel, you know, disenfranchised or whatever. And really, that last word I use, disenfranchised, is really embedded in who we are as a country. There's so much disenfranchisement here and it's getting worse. It's not like we solve the problem of racism. Now it's racism, sexism. It's all been here all this time. Now we're. Um, You know, now we're seeing, you know, Bud Light had, I believe, was it? I I don't know the whole story, but it was like somebody, you know, a a trans individual drinking a Bud Light or plugging Bud Light. And now, you know, all the Looney Tunes are losing their minds. I'm not drinking Bud Light. First of all, first of all, whoever you are, no one cares because I could care less what beer you drink. I don't drink Bud Light, frankly, but if you want to drink Bud Light, hey have at it enjoy you know it's whatever because guess what i don't care if someone trans plugs butt like i don't care why do i it, it amazes me how people are so sensitive about what other people do with their lives it's amazing who cares i'm minding my business i'm doing yeah it's amazing you're minding your business and somebody wants to tell you how to live your life it's crazy but back to this gun thing again we're having this debate. We have a group of people kind of, I think Steve Kerr said this. We've got one group of people in our government who are holding the rest of us hostage because they are holding on to a belief that if we say we want to make sure that killing, killing machines, guns that are used for war aren't put in the hands of regular citizens, then that becomes you're taking away my rights. no. What we're doing is trying to keep people safe, because, again, if you believe that, then you have no problem with little children getting murdered in school and adults getting murdered in school. Then apparently you have no problem with that, which to me makes you a very sick person. So shout out to Coach Pop, as always, and, and, and head coach at Georgia Tech Brent Key for their for standing up and using their platforms in that positive way. Um, Dawn Staley. I, I didn't I forgot about this, but I. Um, um, I was reminded of it. I was listening to uh, our friend, uh, our friend of the show, Dre Day. I was listening to his podcast the other day. So shout out to Dre Day for that, man. Um, Thank you for reminding me about Don Staley's uh, comments post-Final Four. But I wanted to give her a dub for that because, you know, I don't want to dog the press here. I really don't. Because I know people in the press and they are great people and people I highly respect. But what kills me here is that You know, Dawn Staley, in so many words, basically said this, you know, she said, I have people who report back to me and tell me what's being written. And a lot of folks, some of you in this room, she said it, are basically saying things about my players, you know, bar fighters, thugs, saying all kinds of ugly tropes about her players. She goes, my players play basketball very well. They do their work in the classroom extremely well, and they serve the community. That's all you can ask. If you can do those three things and win championships, that's all you can ask. So in so many words, she said, you need to watch what you're writing because it's not right. And she's absolutely right. But again, this is the kind of thing that we're fighting in 2023, the year of our Lord, 2023. And you've got members of the press who are writing these things. And it kind of goes back to a bigger thing in our society because we are moving so much closer to just people. I mean, we got people out here saying whatever they feel like. And the problem is people aren't getting checked. It's like check each other. I've said this time and time again. Journalists, check your check your colleagues. If you read this thing and you go, that's messed up. Check them. Why are you reading it and just letting it pass? No one should say that about anybody, let alone young ladies playing basketball in college. They call them bar fighters and thugs. Are you insane? What is wrong with you? Who writes that? But then if someone calls you out and says that's racist, then it gets taken a certain way. I'm not racist. Well, you're kind of fooling me because it doesn't look good because how you say that again about anyone, but Young ladies ladies in college? Like, what are you doing? It's just, it's madness. It's absolute madness. But bring back shame. Because people aren't getting checked. Check people. If they are saying things that are not right, things you would not say in civilized society, they need to get checked. It's just that simple. So, you know, Dawn Staley does so much for the game of college basketball for you know just people in general and in addition to that she's done so many things to protect her players so we all remember the BYU situation you know the young lady who was playing volleyball and for Duke and you know she heard slurs in the crowd and then BYU and South Carolina was supposed to play and Don and says and no we're not going to play and of course you know you got the litany of those folks, those wing nuts who are like, well, who does she think she is? And blah, blah. You know, it, it, it never ends. But you can't win. If you go through with it and something happens and you speak up, the wing nuts have something to say. If you say, I'm removing myself from the situation because I want to protect my players, the wing nuts still have something to say. So it's just like you can't win. But I, I respect her for saying, you know what? We don't have to do this. And the athletic departments worked out whatever they need to work out, work out. I mean, of course, you know, the BYUAD was, you know, disappointed, but okay, hey, you know, him and South Carolina's Ray Tanner worked it all out and everybody went their separate ways. And it's fine. And again, as a coach, you gotta do those things. And and I think until we're at a point in our society where people write what they see and not write with their feelings and what they think and what they think they see Don Staley and other coaches have to do these things to protect these players and again you can only protect them from so much because you know we all know the real world is not a not a really nice place and it's getting scarier every day but at least you kind of get a little bit insulated in these environments, in these collegiate environments from these types of things. But again, these these folks who are writing these vile things, they just really need to be checked. And it starts at the level of the folks who are their peers. It works up to the folks who are editors and it works up to the people who run publications. They have to start. And I'm not saying uh, censor. I'm saying, listen. You read it and go, do you really think this is something that needs to be said in a public forum? Do you think this is something that should be said in a private forum? If you think that is something that shouldn't be said in general, polite society, you shouldn't write it in the story. All right. Last thing, um, the sale of the commanders. I mean, I've already kind of said how happy I am The or the impending sale rather. And the, the only L from this is that I and I was reading reports as saying that, you know, in this whole situation, you know, the Josh Harris group looks like they're probably going to be the winning bid. There are still some bids out there, but I think I read somewhere that something about, you know, Snyder was trying to start a bidding war and then there was something that came up with the, you know, now of course we know that the commanders are trying to find a new stadium, so that whole stadium deal situation is still kind of out there. But um, what they're looking in, what uh, Loudoun County, they're looking in um, somewhere. I think they're still trying to look somewhere in PG, and there's one other. Oh, um, out in um, out Woodbridge, out in that area, which I think going that far out is absolutely absolute insanity. I'd say. If you're going to move the team, move to Loudoun County. There's land, there's spaced roads. I know folks in Loudoun County are going to be happy about it. Sorry, but that team ain't going back to D.C. I mean, D.C. DC is full. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get back in the space of RFK. I think that's absolute insanity. Um, D.C. has literally, by building what? Audi Field, building Nationals Park, um, they built the sports and entertainment complex. And, of course, there's uh, blah, 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 arena, whatever they're calling the arena downtown these days, because it used to be MCI Center. Now they've gone through a thousand days, whatever the arena downtown. They've built the city up like Audi Field. If I recall correctly, when they built that, they said that was on a space. The last possible large open space in D.C. They built Audi Field. D.C. is full. So that team's got to go somewhere else. So either they stay in Maryland or. They're going to have to go out to Loudoun County. That's just my opinion. But something about the land deals got goofy and he was trying to do some craziness behind the scenes with that. And I'm going even selling the team. This man is a turd and you're selling the team. Let it go. Guess what? We're happy you're leaving. Take your money that you're going to get from this and go mess up something else. But trying to make all of this other stuff happen in the midst of a sale in which you're going to make a ton of money. The fans are going to be happier leaving town and you're still trying to maneuver some some strings behind the scenes. Man, get the you know what out of here. Just, just go away for good. And that's it, okay? In rant. <laughs> so with that, I leave you ladies and gentlemen so thank you for uh checking me out on friday show here in sports wagon podcast um don't forget to follow me on social media it's uncle dub i-t-s-u-n-c-l-e underscore d-u-b so that's instagram and twitter um yeah lately on twitter it's been fun you know kind of um you know talking a lot of sports and you know listen i listened to a really good uh, a spacious day on nil and transfer so good stuff out there Um, but nevertheless um, on this Friday please continue to enjoy your day the sun's going down a little bit and it's not as hot inside of this house I got the windows open today but until I talk to you again please make sure share the show like give me a five-star rating if you can email the show email addresses in the show notes Uh, until I talk to you next week we'll kind of as we always do, we start the week or whenever we start the week, whether it be on Monday or Wednesday, we'll recap the weekend. I'm sure something big will break with the transfer portal. I bet you money it'll break right after I hit stop on this. And you know what? As a matter of fact, before we go, there is one piece of breaking news from hockey that was about two hours ago. The Pittsburgh Penguins have relieved president of hockey operations, Brian Burke, and General Manager Ron Hextall and Assistant General Manager Chris Pryor of their duties. So, that's just some news from the NHL as we end today. So, as I always tell you, please continue to do all you can to stay healthy. Um, it's April, so about a month from now, uh, my understanding is the US is going to drop COVID restrictions. So, don't be fooled, ladies and gentlemen. COVID is still out there. Uh, so, do everything you can to stay healthy, um, protect yourself. And also remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at it's uncle dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports. Wagon Pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.